2: Look at us both recording already. I know. Like who would have know. known all those years ago that we'd both be recording already? I know that we would both own microphones. Oh, it's so crazy to own microphones. What a world!
0: I know. Although you have a fancy booth, I just have it like a setup on my kitchen
2: table. But it you. Should be noted, it should be noted that fancy. I mean, it's. <laughs> I know. Yeah. But it, you're in a booth.
0: But it is, and especially in these crazy times, you are able to, oh, by the way, I'm talking to Will Arnett, uh, you are able to, um, Will Arnett, the star of uh, the HBO documentary series, The Vow, uh, yeah. you're,
2: you're in yeah. that, right? I'm also in the, um, the new Pope. I'm in the new, new Pope. <laughs> <laughs> the newest Pope. Yeah. Yeah. Coming at you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Poping at you. Um, I would make a great Pope, by the way. I'm not Catholic, but I would make a great Pope. In what sense? In the sense that I would just be like, okay, l- let's cut the bullshit because I know what how people look at the Catholic Church when I and I'd be able to say, and this is controversial. I get it, but I'd say, guys, come on, let's cut the BS. We messed up a bunch. We've done a lot of shit, and now it's our turn to turn it around. If we want to save this thing, we got. It's pretty clear what we got to do. We, we, you know, and then you just go down the list. We got to endorse gay marriage. We have to, uh, we we can't oppose it. Like just all the stuff that just like make all the logical shit.
0: Right. Like in, you know, there isn't some guy in the sky that cares what you do. Like, no,
2: well, that would be number one. And (laughs) I get, and I get that I would get a lot of pushback on that. It's kind of their thing. I know. (laughs) It it would be like, it'd be like, It'd be like going into like a like a car company, and like going to Ford and saying, "Hey, you can't make cars anymore, but <laughs> but I am going to turn
0: this thing around. Yeah, <laughs> we are going to make fudge from now on. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get rich on fudge." Now you're uh, you're out uh, in the Hamptons, right? You're in uh, New York. Uh, Long I, Island? I was
2: on I was on Long Island. No, no, no. I'm back. Oh, you are Uh, back! You're in LA again. I'm back in in, on the West Coast, as we call it, Andy. And um, it should be noted because we were in Long Island for a while. um, I got your, I just got your baby present yesterday. Oh, really? Last last night because it had gone out there and it got there. It got there when we left. And then had to be sent back here, and so I just quite literally got my hands on it last night.
0: Oh, good! Well, I'm glad you got so it. Th- th- you know. So,
2: thank you very kindly. a <laughs> beautiful welcome. silk blanket.
0: Yeah, it's a little um, silky. It's it's my kids were turned on to them at a young age. They're just like little satin blankets that babies love to like just hold on to, like a super villain, like rubbing it between their fingers. And my daughter's 15; she still sleeps with hers.
2: Well, but your daughter's a supervillain, though.
0: Well, she Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, she's, you know, she, it's it's her island lair that she's sleeping in. But, <laughs> right. um, yeah, on her big stash of nerve gas, uh, <laughs> it's weird that she wants to sleep at it. I, I, it doesn't seem comfortable to me. But she's like, <laughs> no, I, I derive great pleasure from sleeping on the nerve gas step piles. Um, well, that's good to have you back. How has the yeah. COVID world been for you? Especially oh, it's with been, the new
2: baby, that's got to be weird. You, it's been awesome, Andy. What a great, what a time to be alive. I, You know, and the idea of welcoming a new child into this world oh, right yeah. now, it's just felt so, it's just really buoyed me up. Right. Um, Well,
0: it is, a lot of times when you have a baby, you feel like obliged to really care about what happens to him. But with this one, you don't have to. You know, this whole fucking place is going up in flames in in no time. So it's like, ah, eh, this kid. You know, he'll be more like a friend than a son.
2: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> he's he's more like a felly, like a fellow soldier. Uh, yeah. Yep. Exactly. He was like born, a helpless foxhole mate. Yeah, yeah. Who's just gonna pull his weight? Uh, you know, uh, and, and hope not to get trench foot. Um, I um, it's been great. You know, I mean, look, it's been such a weird time, and and Denny's been such a blessing, and and uh, he's doing great. He was he came a little early, um, and classic we were, I know. <laughs> so don't tell everybody. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Everybody doesn't know that that's my hallmark. Um, and he, he was born on uh, May 27th and it was, you know, um, you know, right in the, in the thick of the, um, of, you know, the, the sort of the COVID lockdown out here in California and, and the, and the, you know, the riots and, and, the protests. And, uh, it was just such a crazy time. And there was quite literally like smoke coming into the hospital and he was so little and we were nervous and we had this, it was just such a weird. Yeah bizarro time and but of course it was just that's it, it just was the time that it was and nothing yeah. we can do about it we just sort of um you know we're very lucky so um and he's healthy and he sort of made it out he was in the NICU for a minute and now he's out and um so it's good you know it's that's uh, great
0: yeah congratulations thanks yeah I can, be. now wait, before you had an, another because you have two boys who are like in their teens now right
2: well uh 10 and almost 12 yeah
0: 10 yeah um was it daunting the prospect of going back to Babyville? Y-
2: yeah, I think that I <clears throat> I glossed over it. I just was like, yeah, yeah, yeah it's no problem. Yeah, yeah I did it. But I know what I'm doing. And then it was, and then it hit and I was like, "Oh my god." Yeah, yeah. Who told me this was a good idea? And <laughs> and uh, Oh, that's right.
0: My life is not my
2: own. Yeah. Oh. It's like, fuck. What's what's that noise? Is oh, a crying Who's crying? Baby is that Oh, that's ours. <laughs> um, you know. Oh boy. Yeah. Uh, obviously, and you've heard this so many times, people talk about it. it's like we we're programmed as human beings to forget that. Yes. Um yes, how how hard it is, especially those first 3 months. Um and uh uh so I had forgotten and uh, I mean, now that's all to, it's actually been great and it's been okay, but it's just whatever, it just takes its toll and it's hard yeah. and it's hard on your partner and it's been um but it's been It's been good, though. You know, we've we've made it through, and I kind of feel like we're just sort of like, ah, coming out of that first bubble. Yeah. Also, he came out, he was really little, and he was, uh, you know, like I said, he came out early. So, that's scary and all that kind of stuff. But he's – It's great. It's Um, amazing
0: when there's – because, you know, like different health issues that you have with your kids or scary moments that you have, especially when they're little. How they just – you don't even almost – and they seem – so terrifying and I mean we had a couple with our kids and they're but then when they're past you're just like you don't even remember it you're like oh yeah right there was that moment where we were terrified that the kid was going to die any moment you know
2: yeah there are all those well yeah certainly and then and it keeps going too I remember we were talking the other day because like Archie's had so many stitches Uh, you know he's not even 12 yet and he he started young he was like maybe four and he um got like seven stitches in his forehead is a, and is he a
0: daredevil or is he just kind of clumsy he's, he's not even
2: no he's not even clumsy he's got good coordination it's just he kind of flings himself at stuff physically oh yeah like he's just kind yeah. of like he, he he's the kind of kid he he quite literally does this he runs one direction while he's looking back another direction <laughs> and and i'm always like you know you're really going to hurt work. yourself if you don't look yeah. where you're going uh And it's been, (laughs) it's like a basic rule in the, in the, in the human user handbook. He, he last, uh, I forget how long ago it was. It wasn't, it was within the last couple of years he had to go. He ran in the kitchen, he ran into this chair and he ended up having to get stitches between his toes. It was, and, and he'd like, it was so gross. And this was like the third or fourth time he'd gone for stitches. And this time I went in and the guy said, you, you know, and I've been there before where I've had to hold him down when he got him in his head and he's like four, I had to hold him while the guy was giving him stitches and he's screaming in my, like looking into my eyes going, daddy, why are they, why are you doing this? And I'm like, Oh God, it's so painful. Your kids, yeah, yeah. you know? So by the time he's like 10 and getting the stitches in his foot then the doctor goes, um, you can come in, but we can do it. And, and you know, my nurse can hold, I was like, "Yeah, yeah, that's fine i d I'm like, I don't need any more right. trauma. At this point right, I've done sure. it. I've already held him four times. He already rem- associates sheer terror with my face. Yeah, yeah. So And
0: also, Daddy, why are why are they why are you doing this to me? Cause you keep fucking up, kid. <laughs> I mean, for Christ's sake, what do you mean? Why are we doing this? Look at your Cause, toe. Because you're acting like a zero. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: Cause you're a loser. <laughs> a loser.
2: Uh no, and I'm just, just telling you I'm just telling you what my dad told me. You're a loser.
0: <laughs> well, and at least too, it's like he's getting the webbing of his toes stitched, so no one's gonna think that you were abusing him. <laughs> right. Right. You know, like what kind of what kind of child abuse is that? We picked I a will, really good spot that yeah, nobody would see. <laughs> I will rub a piece of paper between your toes, son. Oh god.
2: It was so painful too, poor guy. You actually missed a school trip. It's I was
0: I was one of those kids that was, I, you know, knock, I cut my head open, you know, like pushing back on a high chair and hit a bookcase, broke my leg, broke my thumb, you know, tons of stitches from cuts and shit, you know, just, I don't know.
2: I didn't, I didn't do that stuff until I was like later. Like I broke my kneecap. um, I got a fracture in my kneecap when I was like 18. Ooh. And then, yeah, and I ended up having, and I had knee surgery, in my other knee, like everything happened kind of later for me, which I saved it for adulthood for when it really hurt and I yeah, can remember yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when your body can't bounce back as well. Oh my God, I'm yeah. so, old. I turned 50, Andy. I oh, really? F- me. Can you believe it? Me. I, it's not fair.
0: The guy I mean, who was like I, the I've young been, guy. I've been 50 for 15 years. I know.
2: I know. <laughs> I remember when, on your 40th when we went away, you, me, and Canton Jowes, and, and, Giles, and uh, when you turned 40, and when you, on your 40th, you turned 50. That's how. <laughs> I
0: did. It was weird. You got to see it. Yeah, we went away. That's right. Uh, on yeah. my 40th birthday, we had a boys' weekend yep. of uh, playing golf. Yeah, eating uh, steak. And then because— because yeah, golf and steak, and because uh, I know what you're going to say. I th- I, two of you, two of you are sober. Yeah, like you just sat and watched me drink. Like I know. order another one, and then you, you just gotta... watched me, like like you were old men watching me jerk off for you or something. <laughs> I
2: knew you're going to say that. And I remember you were like a couple of drinks in, and we were so enthusiastic. We we're like, Andy, get more, and you were like, you were kind of mad. You were like, you guys just want to watch me drink. <laughs>
0: Well, it did feel like, you know, it had nothing to do with, you know, my panache. Like the way that I drank, it was just the drinking. You could have been watching anybody. I felt like it just, it took all the romance out of it.
2: It was such a, that was fun.
0: (laughs) That was a fun weekend.
2: That was really
0: fun. Well, now you, luckily you have dual citizenship, do you not?
2: I do, yeah. So you
0: can bug out of here, you know.
2: I can head back to the homeland at any, I can just yeah. scoop up all the kids and just go, or maybe I'll leave them. Is that it? <laughs> yeah, come I mean, on. Just, new
0: country. I mean, new yeah. old country, new slate. Start yep. over.
2: I'm just yep. going to go back and then I'll go do one of those surgery. I'll change my face. Right. And and I'll just, you know, and I'll go work at a Tim Hortons in back in Canada and I'll just forget it all. Right. Well, why are you getting
0: a new face? You should just like become Drake. Oh, that's a good idea. You know, you go to Toronto and you're and you go there as Drake,
2: you'll be set. I would be if I was, you're right. If I was Drake in Toronto, forget it. How good would that be? Yeah. I don't have to worry. I'd buy Tim Hortons (laughs) if I was Drake. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I wonder if he owns any Tim Hortons.
2: I met that guy once. He seemed really nice. I was coming out of uh, I was waiting outside of a hotel in Toronto <clears throat> at like six in the morning and dead of winter to do some press for something. And and um, so they're like, Your, the car service is going to come down. And I and it was like maybe it was even like five forty five. So it was like still dark and it was snowing yeah. heavily and this, this SUV pulls up, and I, and there's nobody else in front of the hotel because it's early, and it was desolate. And I thought, well, that's definitely – and I went out. I was freezing. And I get out, and I'm about to, like, just grab the door and get in, and the door opened, and Drake got out. <laughs> and and it was like, oh, sorry. I thought he was like, hey, what's up? And I was like, hey, man. And we started chit-chatting, and, uh, which was cool. And then and then the guy said no, – and I got a text at that moment saying, no, your car few minutes late you can go back up and chill out and i was like oh great so i walked back in and then we had like a not awkward but we had like an elevator ride i guess at the yeah. time he was living at that hotel and so we get in the elevator together and then he was like um we should hang out sometime and i was like totally we should and then he got out right and that was it. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but my number is you know
0: <laughs> don't <laughs> drake you want to take list- my number i'm sure drake is listening to this drake reach out
2: Drake definitely reach out. My number yeah. is 555 <laughs> 1212. People don't do that joke anymore, they Andy. They don't,
0: they don't. And they should. They should. It's a good one. Klondike 5, that was the <laughs> that was the old version. Murray Hill 34. <laughs> <laughs> you, did you ask Drake at all about Degrassi?
2: That's what I I would be want to know. I didn't I thought that I thought that it, if I if I opened with that he'd be like, "Okay, this clown wants to come in." <laughs> you know? <laughs> This he has looking. no
0: appreciation for my music. Uh, yeah. He yeah. wants to bring up much Degrassi. Like, much like when Jimmy was in Degrassi, no one really cared about his music that much. <laughs> Nobody did.
2: <laughs> but I mean, yeah, he, he was in Degrassi. And uh what's cool, you know, Drake has stayed in Toronto. He is an icon in Toronto. And yeah. he stayed and he's stayed there and he's built this huge house and he's just like Toronto and and uh I get it. Toronto is actually a great place to live. I've spent a lot more time there in the last couple of years. Um, all joking aside, like, have I had moments where I thought, like, maybe I'd go back? Yeah, I have. Yeah, I've yeah. Few, I've had a few moments like that. And I, and I like what Drake's done. And I think that I like that he has brought attention to Toronto and that he's kind of tried to, you know, promote the music scene in Toronto. I think it's kind of cool. Um, yeah. Again, this is I think he and I should be friends. Right. Right. Uh, He also, he
0: brought an NBA title to Toronto. That's really something. He did bring,
2: (laughs) I don't, I guess
0: he did. He sure did. Right. Without Drake, that would not, without Drake Aubrey Graham, that would not have happened.
2: I would love you to get on one of those morning drive sports shows and argue with, with some of those sports (laughs) assholes. And you'd be like, who cares about
0: the, it was Drake's doing. (laughs) He brought, I don't know, like a hip-hop flair to an otherwise white northern city.
2: We got Andy Richter on the phone here with Boston Sports. Uh, All right. Yeah, you know what? I'm just calling in Andy. Fuck you, old fucking Drake. (laughs) You know?
0: Now, I get, you know, there's people that do like a little bit of research uh, for this show. I think it's Wikipedia. I mean, come on. What do you want? Nobody makes any money at this. Uh, Oh, sure. You got a podcast. You know how it is. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, it, but I saw something that like you got kicked out of boarding school, which mm-hmm. I was, I mean, cause I know so much about you, but sure. I didn't know that you got kicked out of boarding school.
2: Did you not know that? No. Have we never what talked happened? about this? No.
0: <sighs> I mean, unless you don't want to talk about it.
2: No, no, it's fine. Yeah. Here's the thing. I, I, cause I still can. They had a problem with class A drugs. And and for me, <laughs> now, and and this is... Uncool. And, and, Way uh, to go, my, narks. And I don't want to get into a bunch of lawyers. No, no, no. We So, first of all, I always contend that I wasn't kicked out. And this is a very sort of fine distinction to make. But uh, I was asked not to come back. Oh, right. <clears throat> okay. So I wasn't kicked out like mid-year. Uh, I finished 10th grade. And they said you know handshake like we're good here right yeah yeah
1: (laughs) fuck off now
2: yeah and i was like yeah i'm out and uh you know i'd gone i was i went to boarding school when i was 12 um which i now i now realize you know having my own kids how young that is yeah um it was a different time it was a different era it was different you know i don't know in Canada at that time and whatever, I, I I think that there were, I went to a school that there was, um, very sort of, um, much more of an old school sort of English style boarding school in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, how far, these, from, how
0: far from home?
2: A couple hours yeah. north of Toronto. Yeah. Up, up in the, in the woods or. Where they um, can't hear you scream. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. And, and <laughs> you know, to be honest, at first when I went, I was excited to go, um, because not that I necessarily wanted to go get away from home, I was just excited. I was twelve. It was like, yeah, I'm going to go to like camp. Yeah, you know, yeah. In, in a way, like I'm, i They have a lot of sports there, and you're kind of outside, and you it, and it was an outside, uh, outdoor oriented school. Like they didn't have a gymnasium. Um, they had no indoor sports. It was all, um, you know, it, it was kind of like uh, what they have here in this uh, kind of uh, Outward Bound. Oh, really? Kind of like, Yeah, yeah. So like by the time you get to like ninth, 10th grade, like you'd get graded on things like winter camping and, uh, and running rapids in a canoe and stuff like that. That was your (laughs) PE grade. Wow. Yeah. So we had school and then you had a lot of outdoor shit like that. Right. you had to rappelling down. So it was. Well, it is Canada. It's Canada. You You gotta be rugged. I dug it, man. Like we went away, like the whole school would go on a thing called expedition weekend where the entire school went on a canoe trip. Um, and they would stagger everybody out in groups and stuff. And you'd go on these lakes way out. And it was like, I don't know, that's pretty fucking cool. Um, That is cool. And now it's all boys or is it co-ed? It was at the time, all boys. It's now co-ed. Okay. Um, so again, so initially I was into it and then, yeah, there came a point where I wasn't as into it. Um, because you know, 12 is one thing, then you're 16 and you know, on the weekends, like you want, there, there were no, I mean, we have weekends, but like there was nothing to do and you were way up there and you couldn't do anything. You weren't allowed to like go out and yeah. we, we wanted to go out and hang out with girls and do all that kind of stuff. Um, and so I started getting in trouble. I started, you know, smoking butts in the woods and, uh, you know, doing, you know, having a little, little drinky poo here and there and, and then getting in trouble. Yeah. Um, and my parents to their credit realized that I'd sort of outgrown it and that it wasn't great for me. It wasn't a great environment. And so um, I went home. I came back to to Toronto. Yeah. And Was it uh,
0: weird to come back home? I mean, when you've been away. I mean, I know you're home for the summer, I, I assume. Y-
2: yeah, yeah, of course. But
0: is, is it because like I, you know, my first two years of college, I went away and then I transferred to a school in Chicago and then like had to go back and live with my mother. And mm. it was like that was a bummer. You know, like I had been out. For two years and then came back home and i was like oh fuck
2: you know yeah was it that think, kind of feeling a little bit a little bit i think it was a little bit and it had been so lord of the flies that i came back and i was like i'm the boss now you know oh boy <laughs> and, oh um, boy no that's not true that's a i've bit, seen but, you like that with a maitre d it's not pretty because they never give me the table i demanded that <laughs> i deserve yes Andy. um but yeah it was weird coming back it was yeah. weird and i think that um i you know i came back i guess i was like 16 or whatever and then by the time i was 20 i moved to new york so it was really it was really only like 4 years um and i really never thought about it that way actually until this moment like th- that adds up i guess sort of in a lot of ways mentally i was already out of the house and yeah um, yeah so by the time what? i left and moved to new york and i was 20 i that wasn't really that scary to me. Yeah. You know? What would, just to go back a little bit, what was,
0: what was the motivator? I think like, did the rest of your siblings, cause you got three siblings, you got sisters yeah. and a brother,
2: two older sisters and a younger brother. Yeah. Had
0: they gone to boarding school too? I no, mean, was it just, no. a, what, what was the motivation with you just to get you out of their
2: fucking hair? First of all, yes, for sure. Um, because you've he known me a long time talking, I'm a handful, Andy. You know that. <laughs> a delicious handful. Uh, sure, and I—I I think like trail they, mix. <laughs> yeah, I was. Um, I'd been at a school in Toronto. This uh, called the Toronto French School, which is a very. Um, it, it was a very sort of as schools, should good schools should be. It was very academic oriented, and it was very yeah. demanding. <laughs> Yeah. yeah yeah it it was a it was a school that was really sort of confectionery oriented uh, no
0: <laughs> it was named um, after French Stewart from Third Rock from the Sun <laughs> which I didn't it was know. Just about, the curriculum was all his career
2: which was crazy because the show hadn't even come out yet <laughs> um, but but they so I'd gone to a school that was very much uh about um, very stringent and very tough academically, and I think that there was a lot of burnout certainly my sisters had burnout too, and they were really good students. And it was tough. I mean, I remember in fifth grade, I took, uh, for a semester, I took Russian. Um, they broke down like the, the in sciences. Great. Wow. Yeah. And, and, and they took, they did, they broke down uh, all the sciences into the different, uh, you know, physics and chemistry and biology in fourth grade, you had exams and you had to study. It was really rough. And I, I think at that point, my parents realized like that, I, that was not going to hold my interest that I was like, I'm blowing out of this joint and yeah, I'm not, Yeah. and so that was part of the reason that I went to a school that was much more kind of well-rounded and mm-hmm. you know, uh, and my brother was quite, is, is almost 10 years, my junior. And I think that, uh, probably, I guess he was like two when I left and I'm sure my mom was like, I can't deal with you and a baby. Uh, yeah, you know, and your older sister. I, I think there was, there were a lot of things. Send the um, baby away. I
0: you know. know. That's He's what I kept stra- saying.
2: He's the stranger. That's what I kept saying as I was holding him over the railing. <laughs> we're getting rid of the baby, right? <laughs> Andy, come on. There's th- an awning below. Look, it doesn't take. You don't have to go to therapy to realize I was the baby for almost ten years, and then he came along. Mm, you don't know? Dare he. I yeah. know. So, uh, Mm. but anyway, I, you know, I think my parents were really just trying to find a solution so that I could be okay and, um, and God bless them. And, 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 um, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was definitely weird. And then I came back and my sisters went to college and I was, and again, I was just like, I wanted to do something else and, um, I just never wanted to be where I was. Um, Yeah.
0: Did you go to a regular high school then?
2: I, I went to a what they call an alternative high school for the first couple of years, and I graduated from regular high school. Uh, okay. So I, I went to three high schools. Oh, wow. Um, but, it, again, it was kind of okay. I went to this high school for a while th- that was run by my uh, close friend of the family, my godmother, and, and uh, she ran this really cool that was run by the Toronto—it was a public high school, but it was— I could take theater classes and get credit for it. And I had my own kind of curriculum and there were no actual classes. Wow. I had to do all the, I just had to do all the work and have one-on-one. It was very cool. And again, it was, um, they'd been doing it for a few years by the time I got there in the Toronto board of education, you know, liberal Canada, way to go Uh, liberal Canada, uh, looking, looking for new ways for kids to get educated. That might be great. Right. How dare they? Thinking of the kids first. I know. Bunch of jerks. Um, And it was actually, that was a really great environment for me. Um, Yeah. And I, I did very well there and it was, uh, it was awesome. But Um, you didn't graduate from there. No, because I I couldn't get all the necessary. um, It was, it was basically because I couldn't get all the credits I needed to get to college. Yeah. I think I needed to get like some, or to graduate. I needed a certain math and stuff that they didn't offer at that Uh. school. Um, so i had to go and finish it for one semester at this other school did you go to college at all or did you just I went, head off to new york i went briefly uh i went for uh one semester uh to concordia university montreal yeah and and then um i remember not cold calling. enough in, not cold enough in toronto for you you know i had to get to montreal where it's real cold
0: Oh my God, it's ridiculous uh, there. It's
2: And then I went back, the next time I went back to Montreal was when we were shooting Blades of Glory and, and I was wearing a leotard and uh, <laughs> chasing Will, you know, Feral outside and, and freezing. Um, anyway, I remember calling my dad and saying like, I went to college and I remember thinking at the time I was with a lot of people I'd grown up with and uh, uh, some are at Concordia, and a lot of them were at, at McGill, where both my sisters went. And I remember kind of looking around and having this moment. And everybody's just doing what they're doing in college. They're having a good time. They're studying, but they're having a really good time. And Montreal is a great party city. It's a great and town. It's unreal. And, yeah. we're, and I was having a lot of fun, too much fun. I really wasn't doing much school. And I kind of looked around, and I thought, I did have this moment where I went, "I'm, I'm just going through the motions. I'm wasting my time here. This is a waste of time. And Mm. maybe these people are not wasting their time, not for me to say, but I can't do this. This is going to, where am I going to go? If I just keep doing this, I don't see any. And I call my dad and I basically said that. And, um, my dad's been awesome throughout my life. And a lot of times I didn't even realize until later. And I look back of how many, how great my dad has been. And he, I think that he could have had gone one of two ways. He could have thought, wow, you're such a fuck up and stick with it and know you got to stay in college and do, do, do. And he really heard me and he went, okay. Yeah. And he said, come on home and uh, get a job. And if you want to go to, um, and he goes, what do you want to do? And I said, I think I want to go to New York. I really think I want to do this acting thing. And he said, well, then you better come home and make the money so that you can go. Um, he wasn't he was like I'm not I'll pay for you to go to college. I'm not going to pay for you to go do that. Um right yeah. Uh, I'll help That's you That's really
0: oh. a credit to your dad too because he's he's not like uh you, you know a a mosaic artist. He's a business guy.
1: Yeah. Like he's yep. a
0: lawyer, right? A lawyer and a business guy and you know and I you know a lot of, I don't know maybe it's just my mind of business guy type dads would be like, no, you need to get into business. Because, I mean, even my mom, is as supportive as she was, you know, she was in sales, and she's like, you should just, when I was struggling, you know, like when I was making no money and trying to do this for a living, and not podcasting, who the fuck knew there was such a thing? Um, What day uh,
2: you will podcast, Andy?
0: (laughs) I don't know what it is, Mom, but I want a podcast. It sounds dirty. It probably is. Um, But... uh, she was like, you should just get into sales. She'd be so good at sales, which is basically like saying, like, you should just, like, pour cancer into your soul. Like, that was <laughs> what it sounded like to me. Like, get into sales. Like, oh, you mean die? Are you saying I should just die?
2: Get fitted. Fitted for what? Fitted for the Smith & Wesson you're going to put in your mouth. <laughs> you but know? anyway,
0: so kudos to your dad. That's really. Yeah. I love it when parents are like, yeah, whatever, do it, your, you know.
2: Yeah, mean and, it- and by the way, and 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 by extension, of course, my mom too. Um, they they were very supportive in that way. I mean, it wasn't obviously there was friction in those times, when, and when they were worried about their kid and what's he is he is you know this is potentially the road to ruin. This, yeah. for this for this we might
0: kid. be we might be facilitating a major fuck up.
2: Yeah, a major yeah. major fuck up. And um, but yeah, he, he really, he really heard me. And, you know, I, I, I look back, my dad, as you said, my dad is a fairly, he's not conservative, but he, he was a corporate lawyer for many, many years. And then he went into business for one of his clients and he ran that business and he just did a lot of sort of those. And he lived, he lived and operated in a very serious world that had very, um, very set boundaries and, and, you know, you do that, you do X and Y and and you'll get to Z. And I think that, um, there were times though, where he really, uh, was able to think outside that and, and understand. Um, and it wasn't until years later, it was actually a couple of years ago where I actually was able to kind of say to both my parents, I really appreciate that. I know that my life is unorthodox to you. And I really appreciate that you've been able to roll with me on it. Yeah, It's meant, it's meant a lot to me and that I'm very happy that I was able to s- actually say that to them while they're still alive. Yeah. Um, Cause I do plan on murdering them. <laughs> I well, want to announce on the podcast, I'm excited only, to say. There could
0: only be one. There could <laughs> only be one.
2: No, but it truly, I, you know, and, um, and my mom has always been very supportive too. I will say in, in, um. Not in any, any way like, you're going to go and do something and whatever. She wasn't like you're that. You're going to be all, a star. Yeah, I can't wait. Not at all. Like, yeah. You know, there, there's a lot of like also like tough love on that too. Like, you know, even when things go great, kind of like, um, you know, she, it it's hard. She's, she can be stingy with a compliment. Let's put it that right, way. Right, right. You know? yeah.
0: yeah. Well, and she, you know, they know you too. Like the your people yeah. know you. So, like, even when things are going good, if there's something that's like not quite right, they yeah. know that too. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, what when you you're 20, you go to New well, and also too, kudos to your dad for saying like, you better come home and make some fucking money. You know? Because again, that's like, yeah, you know, to just say like, all right, son, I'll write you a check and you go to New York. Oh boy, that's a dangerous. Thing.
2: No, my dad. You know, my dad came from. My dad came from very little. Both his parents were teachers in in Ew. Manitoba, and Ew. I know, I know, gross, There's, like the least honorable profession, mm. teachers. My dad's, my dad's dad, my grandfather, uh, Emerson Arnett, he started the Manitoba Teacher Society, like a so he's a teacher and he started a union. Andy, oh my god, to, so that teachers could be treated fairly, right? And all that kind of stuff. Well, thank Terrible.
0: God his son went to the boardroom. I know. It.
2: <laughs> well, you know what? What's interesting is my dad was always, my grandfather died when I was quite young, my dad's dad. And, um, which was a pity because I never got to really know him that well. And by all accounts, he was a really cool, great guy. And my dad felt a lot of guilt about sending me to and his kids to private school. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that it kind of went against a lot of, you know, my dad had nothing, um, My dad met my mom the first time he was, you know, my mom was at a, grew up in Winnipeg and then they would go to the lakes, to Lake of the Woods. And they, all these people had, you know, these big cottages and my mom's family had a big cottage. And my, my mom met my dad at a party. My dad was a boat boy for a rich family, but they used to have this, this (laughs) position of boat boy. Wow. Yeah. Which was mostly
0: a sex thing. I got to (laughs)
2: imagine. No, fully a sex thing. Oh, okay, and, okay. Yeah, by then it was just a full time sex job. Right, right. No, it was you know he was like the guy who because they had these elaborate old and beautiful uh, you know places on these lakes with these boat houses and they'd have these old mahogany boats and you that you'd constant take, upkeep, upkeep t- constant yeah. upkeep, and then he had to go and get groceries and do all that kind of stuff and it was like a summer job, you know. And so that's and my mom, my dad was kind of like the poor kid who was working. Working the job as the boat boy. Yeah. And, and then he's this kid and he goes to, uh, university and, and, and school in Winnipeg. And then he gets a scholarship to Harvard and he goes to Harvard, uh, based on his, uh, on his smarts. Not like, um, you know, uh, you know, a lot of kids who, who go with, uh, I, what I'm trying to, I'm trying to bring up Kushner because I'm trying to be current. <laughs> um, I thought but you were anyway, going for Conan. Oh, oh, forget Conan. I know, I know. I mean, they just that was just a redhead quota right, right, exactly, <laughs> you know like um, yeah <laughs> but, <laughs> but but uh so anyway so so uh, uh my dad was he was a a self made guy in every yeah. sense, and I remember when i went to when I went to school with all you know this boarding school, and there were a lot of really some fancy people who went to that school, including uh Felipe, who is then the prince and he's now the king of Spain, wow, um, yeah, and I knew him. <laughs> Which is weird, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, Do you think uh, he,
0: do you, are you, have you kept in touch with the king of Spain?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm the, I'm the official jester at the uh, (laughs) Spanish
0: court. No, but I mean, if you like, if you like bumped into him at something, would he, would you be like, hey, I went to school with you?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he'd remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For sure. I, I actually, a couple of years ago was going to Madrid for, again, for some press thing. I do a lot of press, Andy. I know. Well, you're in all
0: kinds of stuff. uh, I uh, hate
2: you i know i know you do oh
0: i'm nothing but envy
2: <laughs> green with envy <laughs> i was i got from a f- a guy who was his roommate uh a way to get in touch with him and then i ended up going and i couldn't do it um, yeah, yeah. i was too busy for the king um
1: uh,
0: <laughs> sorry king
2: sorry sorry i got, much. I got a photo shoot um <laughs> And, um, For
0: Lego Batman, <laughs> so, I'm Lego Batman King. Sorry. Like,
2: Wait, it's just your voice. Why would they photograph you? <laughs> Which, by the way, Ricky Gervais always says to me. Like we joke around, and he's like, "I don't know why you'd need to be in shape as a voiceover artist." i was <laughs> <laughs> like, "Fuck you." Yeah. Anyway, uh, uh, y- you know. Um, so anyway, so I went to school with a lot of these fancy types, and I remember one time there was some kids were going to go on this trip, and my dad. My, I always had a job like on Christmas break and when I'd come home and in the summer when a lot, a lot of these kids did not cause they were super wealthy and my dad would be like, I remember they going, kids were going on a trip and I said, can I go? And he said, no. And I said, well, so-and-so and so and so are so are going. He goes, yeah, well, they're going to be losers and, uh, you're not. And he basically was saying like, you got to come home and fucking realize you got to earn it. Yeah, yeah. And these kids can go and have a free ride, but that's not going to lead to good things. And I, at the time, remember being like so mad about it. Yeah. And, and all these years later, I realized what a what an unbelievable gift my dad gave me with that. Yeah. Um, he really did. It was such a gift. Um,
0: do you think you'll do that with your kids? Will you? No way.
2: <laughs> Sorry. Let, let, finish the question. Go ahead and finish the question.
0: No, because I mean, I, I, I'm right there with you, you know, Midwestern, nobody really had any money. I mean, we weren't poor. Nobody ever, you know, I mean, obviously nobody went hungry. Um, but, uh, uh, I I always like, because I was working when I was 12 years old, I had a paper route and then I was working for my family's family businesses. And I mean, it was like three different ones. It was plumbing kitchen. And then my uncle had a, you know, a, a office supply, like you built lockers and pallet racks and things like that. Yeah, so, I mean, I all th- my youth was just <laughs> riding around in a truck or crawling under a house or, you know, yeah. and I always felt with my kids, like they're gonna, you know, they're going to learn to
1: eat shit just
0: like I did. No, I mean, but like there, cause there is something about having to work that gives you a real idea of what I do think is the reality of the world, which is, There is a lot of time when and I don't want I I certainly don't want my kids to be submissive, but there are times when you just have to do something unpleasant because you're there's some other thing at the end, other end of it, like whether it's to make money or, you know, whatever. That's just the way it is. But like my son's 20 and he's. He's never really had a job like, you know, he mm. we're getting to the point where I think he really should. And he's done lots of kind of volunteer things, um, you know, like he for a long time was doing uh, environmental work with the group tree people here, which mm-hmm. is like, oh, the, yeah, you know, yeah. they they clear trailheads and they plant trees and stuff. And he he did a lot of stuff with them, but it was always just like to, for him to get a job. It always felt like he went to a pretty demanding school. He had a lot of school work and it just kind of never got there. And it wasn't, and I'm not the kind of dad that's going to be like, you get $40 and then, you know,
2: it's like, yeah.
0: you know, I mean, and they don't live a lavish lifestyle, but it's kind of like, eh, well, you know, I don't.
2: well, it's tough. You love your kids and you want them to be happy. So then you're like, well, I want to provide and let them do this and stuff. Yeah, and yeah. Then, but what is the balance of what's good for them and what's not? And I remember, well, two things. I don't know what it's going to be like. I, this is something I've been thinking about a lot lately about what am I, what kind of experience do I want my kids to have? And, and am I, you know, my kids are really uh, lucky in a lot of ways. Um, and, and, you know, their parents have, have worked a lot and, and, and done relatively well. And so they have a lot of opportunity and I want to make sure that that opportunity doesn't hurt them in the long run mm-hmm. um i had a good friend of mine who's a producer and he, a couple of years ago his son was in college and he said um i forget the circumstance but it was some sort of version of well he's doing this and it was the summer and he was like he's doing this and he's just kind of hanging around and blah 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 and i said you how old how old's your son he, at the time he was like 20 i said you gotta make him come back home and get a job don't he grew up with a lot of rich kids? Yeah, his dad does really well. I said, I'm telling you, if I've learned anything, just do it. If he's having this moment, the best thing you can do is make him earn it right now himself. It, it, you're showing him how to live a life. Yeah, you were saying like you give your kid money because you know you want to show him that he, he should earn it, whatever. But what the the thing is, the experience. You you know you yeah. can't you can't buy that kind of experience and. Yeah. Jason was saying, Bateman, on the, on the show the other day, on our podcast, that, that I said, have you ever had a real job, like a real world job? And he said, no. And he said, I really wish I'd had. And I, I can see that he, he was kind of, because we've talked about it before and we were talking about shit jobs. I was, you know, I tree planted uh, for a summer. Um, we got seven cents a tree up in northern Ontario. Wow. And, and attacked by black flies. And we, it was just a horrible crappy job sleeping yeah. in tents it sucked yeah yeah but that experience i've, I've always taken that with me i i i re, i used to replace uh water main and, and sewage pipe with this and would take out the old pipe and bust it with a sledgehammer in a hole yeah and i did that for five months that fucking sucked yep uh but you know the experience
0: incredible yeah and it makes you appreciate too like the times when you might want to get crabby on a movie set because you have to wait or something like that you of
2: know? course yeah yeah that's why i always laugh too when you hear when i i love the sort of the refrain of uh, you know you know liberal uh, left coast the west coast uh, uh, you know elites or whatever you know hollywood and i'm like fuck you bro I fucking earned everything. I didn't have any success doing what I'm doing until I was 33. Yeah. All I did was fucking work a million jobs. All I fucking did was was work hard, and and the, or and people will say, "Well, yeah, well, you grew up a rich kid. Fuck off." I yeah. fucking earned everything. I didn't. I wasn't given fucking anything. You right. can suck it. There's not. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you bust it up, <laughs> the sewer
0: pipe. That's not like. There's not a lot of. There's not a lot of L.A. kids doing that.
2: No fucking way. And yeah. there are not a lot of people, period, yeah, you know, yeah. who would take that. It's a tough job. It sucked. Yeah. I, had to, I was so broke, I had to ride a bike five miles to the shop to, get, to then get assigned onto one of the crews at the thing. So I'd ride my bike five miles. It wasn't like a fucking joy ride. I was in Winnipeg, Manitoba, and I'd ride a bike and then get on the truck and go and bust pipe for 12 hours and then come home. Yeah, and and I my arms were so sore that I couldn't fucking lift anything. and all I do is go home and get into bed and and fall asleep. Yeah, yeah, and just pray that the nightmare would be over. Yeah, know? yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. There is something, and and there also too is like I find because I look back on like when I worked for a moving company, and and I would I would realize because I was also trying to start to get into film production at that time. And I'd, you know, I'd work for, you know, 10, 11 hours moving and then I'd get on the bus and be going home and just be a sweaty, filthy mess. But I would feel like, okay, but it's done. Like, I don't, I don't, there's like, I don't need to think about that now. Like that's behind me. And I could sort of, there's still, there are times, not so much now, because now is weirder than any other time in the world. But when I, when I like longed for like, just the simplicity of like, the job of a house painter. Like you go, you paint the house and then you go home and you're not a house painter anymore. You don't have to worry about the next day painting the house. It's like no. it'll be there, you know? I,
2: I, my sort of fantasy moment that takes me away sometimes is I remember I had this like studio apartment on 21st Street in New York um, that I lived in for years. And all I had was... I had a um futon not even a full futon just the mattress yeah on the floor on the, that floor. the, on the floor that during the day I would roll up uh and cuz it was studio so my bedroom was also my living room yeah and I, I'd roll it up and then I had a I I had a tiny TV that somebody gave me but I didn't have cable actually I stole cable I think shit that's a federal offense isn't it
0: Um, It's okay, the statute of limitations, because you're really old now, so that was a while ago.
2: (laughs) That's a good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it was on a board between two milk crates, and um, but it was a very simple time in my life. I had no responsibilities. I was a young man, and uh, there are moments, you know, when things, you know, I look back and I go, I didn't realize how good I had it. Yeah. You know? yeah.
0: Other I really, people, people listening to, I, and I always, this is the problem with like talking about this kind of stuff is there's people listening to this who have a TV between two milk crates who are like,
2: fuck you, you know? Well, like. well, but yeah, but they can say fuck you. But the thing is I did too. Yeah. Yeah. So like, uh, you know, that's not some disingenuous, like it's not some romantic notion. I know. Cause I've saw it in a picture. Right. I right. fucking had it and I ate cereal three meals a day. So you, they can go fuck themselves. Wow. Yeah. You and
0: hate he, poor people. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just
1: $30. Life is a highway and on it, there will be many chicken
0: sandwiches, but there's only one Crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal.
1: If you know about this juicy gem
2: of a detour.
1: Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places.
0: Can't you tell my loves a girl? Well now, but you do. You go off to New York City, 20 yeah. years old. Yeah. That yeah. what was that like? Did, would, was it party time? Did you have any connections to anybody? Did you go no. there completely alone?
2: Completely, completely alone. Like a cardboard
0: suitcase, got off
2: the bus, and yeah, immediately which, got into sex work? I didn't I I well I got into the sex work a little bit before it kind of pre lapped a little bit before I got there. On the okay. bus on the way there. Um <laughs> Why no, not? I, 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 I always love this story about uh, Steve Martin in, inducting. He was Lauren Michaels was getting some award, and Steve says uh, Lauren Michaels moved to New York from Canada with nothing but the shirt on his back and a cool million bucks. <laughs> 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 that always made me laugh. It's yeah. so funny. Um. Yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know a soul. I moved to, I moved to New York. I was 20. It was, um, the summer of 1990
0: and, um, going to I, acting classes, right.
2: That was and, the- and to go to acting, uh, at, at uh, Lee Strasberg in New York. And, um, you know, I got to know people and, and, you know, through that, you know, and, and th- those people th- made some great friends back in those days. And, um, and then, uh, yeah, that's 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 how it started. I just started doing that. I, I, I didn't have much of a plan. I probably should have had more of a plan. I didn't other than just go and do this and just kind of take it step by step. And I did that, and it took a number of years. And it wasn't until about a few years later, I through this kind of way-off-Broadway show that we did, I went to meet an agent. And, um, an agent came to see it and said, come in and talk to us. And I went to meet them at the old William Morris and, um, this, uh, this agent said, oh, you should go and talk to our voiceover department. And I was like, what's that? And, uh, they said, you know, like the voices you hear on commercials and stuff like that. And I was like, oh yeah, I guess I never really thought that that, yeah, right. There are voices on, because I was so dumb. You know how dumb yeah, yeah. I am. I do. Oh, I do. Yeah. and Right. And so I started, you know, I booked a couple of commercials, and I booked a couple of voiceover things first. Um, But I didn't get my first professional, like, acting gig until uh, 1995. Oh, wow. As an, actual, as an so, actual actor. So how
0: long were you in New York before that happened?
2: Five, five years. Wow. Five years. And I auditioned a bunch. And then I started I I did a couple indie films and then I started auditioning for I remember they were like, Do you do some sitcom audition for some sitcoms? I was like, No, I'm a serious actor. Of course I needed the money, I needed a job, and and I was like, Yeah, but yes, I'll read for a sitcom. And um and then I I read for a bunch of pilots, and it wasn't until ninety six that I, I booked a pilot with Kevin Pollack. Um, he was the star of this pilot for Warner Brothers for CBS and, uh, um, whom I'm still friends with. Uh, did that entail
0: LA trips? Like was so pilot I, so season in, go to LA? Kind I of was doing
2: se- doing it in New York and then flew out to LA to do this pilot. Yeah. Flew out to LA to test for it. Um, back in the day, they'd fly you out here to test for the pilot. So I flew out, tested, got it, stayed, did the pilot. like everything's changing they went back to new york and then nothing changed yeah um you know the show didn't happen whatever but i started testing more frequently for shows and i started spending you know like that i remember that next year i tested for like five pilots then the next year i tested for like eight pilots and every year i was testing for a lot uh i was getting closer and closer for stuff um and then i did i continued to do a couple like indie films in there and then it was Ninety nine, I did a pilot with Michael O'Malley, our friend, and, uh-huh. and uh, he had a big uh, pilot deal at um, NBC.
0: And that one went too, didn't it? And that
2: one, that one ended up going, and we did seven episodes. The only two of them aired, and we got canceled. Mm-hmm. Again, it was one of those like, this is going to happen. Finally, everything's solved, and boom. Yeah, no. yeah. And it was just a lot of that uh, until. It's such a until, weird thing
0: too, because you are being successful. Like in terms of like what you set out to do, you yeah. are being wildly successful. Yeah, just in getting to do that, but it's still just like shoving your dick in the dirt, you know? Like just like totally.
2: All right, here we go. <laughs> um, it's 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 of course you're right. You're being and and that didn't escape me. I didn't feel like a failure. Like I, I knew what the numbers were. I'd gone to school with a million people. I knew tons of actors who weren't getting work or getting even the opportunity. So the fact that I was getting the opportunity was a big deal. I understood that, but it did feel at a certain point after years, I was like, in what way is the, in what shape is the disappointment going to come in this time? Yeah. (laughs) And it's not,
0: it's also too, it's not that like you're being a baby about it. the, business makes you feel shitty the business makes you feel bad about it they come in you start out in something they're like we love you we love you and then it's like you know what we don't love you and sorry mm-hmm. but you know it's just not it's not good it's not good and that's the feeling you get from these people it's not like well you know it's this mysterious concoction and who knows and sorry but we still love you it was it's just like we love you oh no you know what fuck you get out
2: and, and yeah you it's know, hard it's, not to take it personally. Yeah, it's very hard not to take it personally, and yet I understand. I understand too that that I that that ultimately would be my demise if you do take it personally. That you've yeah. got to you've got yeah. to find a way to redirect that, and and that's always been. I feel lucky that I've been able to do that. I, I will say, um, I don't know why. Maybe again, it's just sort of this naivete or something that I have, but I've managed to. I've had a lot of disappointments, uh, certainly professionally in my life. And, um, that's okay. Yeah. I, I'm, I, I don't, as I've gotten older too, I've gotten a better job of, uh, I've talked about this a lot. I, I, I don't, I, I don't sort of gauge how I am as, or where I'm at as a person emotionally or mentally or whatever is, is not, is not indexed to, um, my profession and yeah. how I'm doing professionally. It's just not. And Cause I know it's not a recipe for success, um, emotionally. Yeah. So, so I, yeah. So I had a lot of disappointment. It wasn't until rest development that I actually like got the, but even <laughs> I will say, I, I talked about this with somebody, uh, maybe I talked talking about with Dax, but I, 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 the day I got arrested, the day that arrested development happened, uh, and I actually got it coming out of great uh failure because i'd been fired from a show the year before which felt really crushing um is this 2000 2001 sh- 2000 this is early 2003 oh 2003 okay yeah i had done a pilot the year bef- before i i'd done a pilot the year before and before and the, the year before i'd done one almost every year and i did one with uh sherry O'Terry that got, uh-huh. that did not get picked up. And then I did one with, um, at CBS called still standing. And I, that did get picked up and then I was fired or I, my character was written out, but in effect I was fired Yeah, and it was a real bummer. And I, then, uh, a year later, had that not happened, I wouldn't have been available for rest of development, um, which changed everything. And, but the day I found out that I, that it was going and that it was going to series and that I was on the show it was like years it felt different and years of frustration kind of melted through and i actually i actually wept <laughs> after oh, really yeah oh yeah. that's sweet yeah i really did i i actually like cried really hard wow um because it was it was frustrating and it was hard kind of keeping your chin up um and i i'm sure a lot of people will listen and be like oh shut up you fucking love people who are like actors i'm like you know what man it's not easy. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. It, it's not easy. You take a lot of fucking a lot of water come you take you take on a lot of water in this thing.
0: It's a, you know? it's a you got to it's always weird to me like one thing that's that and I still haven't figured it out is that really truly people doing this for a living. And I mean and I and I mean all different walks of performer type because there are lots yeah. of different types of sure. performers. Right? Sure.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with but, you.
0: They're, they're like almost everybody has issues with rejection. Almost mm-hmm. everybody like cannot take it, like has it like a higher sort of like it hurts more. So we go into this fucking business that's a rejection party. It's yeah. crazy to me, you know? Yeah. And then I, the, the part that even goes further is, and then and then there's award shows where the people who have actually really done very, very well and overcome that rejection parade set themselves up for more rejection
2: 100 percent.
0: where there's like oh there are you know there's eight people but only one gets to feel good and the rest of you get to feel bad because
2: you lost you know 100 percent. and i don't put any stock anymore in those especially those award things you know they're just weird the the emmys uh and I'm sure there'll be like Emmy voters like, well, I'll definitely never vote for right. you now. Okay, but fine. I'm like, okay, I'm I have I've been nominated I, this year. I, we're I don't know what's happening with Bojack yet, but like, we I've been nominated between actor and producing Bojack seven times. Yeah, never fucking won. And I'm like, so what? Who yeah, fucking cares. And people are like, yeah, yeah, that's easy to say. I mean it. And yeah. They asked me to do this. Is probably controversial. Not really controversial. Um, <laughs> in the scope grand scope of things. But you know, a re- Bojack was nominated and they wanted me and I've just never won. And they never, they asked us to do like a thing for the voters and stuff. And I just said, nah, I'm not into it. No, thanks. Wow. They, you should do it. And Netflix would like you to do this. And I was like, nah, uh, I'm kind of done with that. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Fucking forget it. Why? The go and do a thing for this panel for the thing. Fuck that. Who fucking cares? Who fucking cares? And it's and the people that
0: will tell you because I've had friends that have kind of been in Oscar running kind of stuff. And that's the really like
2: people That's crazy.
0: Yeah, people don't know, but like if you're in a move you get you get cast in a really good movie and you it's a really good part and you do really well and people start to say you might win an Oscar, that means for I don't know, six months. You have yep. to go to a constant stream of parties and shaking hands and kissing ass and just dinners with strangers. Just this, it's this campaign you're running for office to maybe get an Oscar. Which what it does for you, it makes you feel good. And I'm sure, I mean, I'm I'm speaking, uh, you know, hypothetically, it it makes you feel good. It puts your rate up. You can make more money. But ultimately, what it does. Is it brings cachet
2: to the people who own the thing? You for know, sure. Also, like nobody's going to remember you. You don't remember who won last year, do you? No. Who cares? It's got, I guess, for the person. But uh, again, like maybe the person, especially with an Oscar on a different level, maybe there is that thing like a two time Oscar winner. Blah blah blah. Does that that feels good? But what does it really bring you? And when you got to go do, I remember hearing about a guy who's a, a still a very active director, writer, and he won a couple of years ago. And somebody said he's the best campaigner, this dude. They said that he goes, he started in like October. He goes to all these dinners. He goes tirelessly. He goes to screenings every night. And he talks about it, and he ended up winning. And people were like, in this town, we're saying, yeah, he won, it was good, but he worked it till the end. And I'm like, well, then he... Didn't win by yeah. the merits of right. Like,
0: did he win he really, an acting award or a campaigning award?
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and like, how can I guess he can feel better about it? But he knows yeah. that he won because he did all that shit. Would it have won without it? Like, they should there should be no campaigning allowed. Yeah, it should be just. And the other thing is, you know, people say uh, I, again, I've never been a part of a film like that, and so I don't know what that process is like. But they, they you start in October and they're not getting paid um to do that either yeah you know so that's just they can't work they're just doing that yeah yeah I don't feel bad for yeah. you, by the way I'm just I'm just too curmudgeonly for it and Me I, too. well
0: and it's like you were gonna say like who's ultimately what's it gonna matter in the long run like who yeah. like at the end of your life is it gonna I I don't think I ever told you this but like this is a, when this happened I had elderly relatives and I was looking I that were in assisted living and I needed to find them a new assisted living place. And so I was looking at all these different going and touring them. And there was this one kind of far flung out, you know, in LA, like not close and, and sad. Like basically it was, it was like the cheaper, one of the cheaper ones and you get what you pay for. Yeah. Cause it was just like old people sitting, staring into space. Ugh. And, and it was a bummer. And, I, but the lady, The super chipper lady, because they all kind of have, you know, like salespeople that are like, you're going to love it. And then it's like, oh, no, I'm not. It smells like pee and everyone seems sad. Um, But she stopped. We were walking down a hallway and there was a woman sitting again, just an elderly woman staring into space. And uh, she stopped in front of her like she was a museum display, pointed at her and said, Three-time daytime Emmy winner, and then we walked on. Ugh. I was just like, "Oh my God! If you wanted to, if you were trying to bum me out, lady, you lady, you could not have done a better job." Oh my God! Three daytime, three-time Emmy, Emmy winner.
2: Oh my God! Oh, that, that's <laughs> one of that's one of the worst things I've ever heard. Oh, it was really
0: like, it's like it was like one of those things that was so awful it was exciting. You know what I mean? Like, I was, like, (laughs) kind of jazzed by it. Like, oh, my God, that's such a bummer. That's such a bummer!
2: Like, wow! I know. Thank you, life. It's... uh, Yeah. I mean... Yeah. It's such an embarrassing... Well, again, it is... To get back to our original thing, it was... It's such a, ultimately, constantly demeaning um, business to be in on so many levels. And, and, uh, yeah, I just... I don't know. There are days where it's you're just like, "Oh god, it's such a bummer." Yeah. Such did, a fucking.
0: Is this what did you set out to do? Do you are you did you have like a like a thing in mind or or you know, were you kind of just catch as catch can and see where
2: this goes? Yeah. You know, I I think that I I used to joke that I you know, wanted to be a ser- I wanted to be a serious actor. I wanted people to take me seriously when I was young um and uh and then I kind of into doing comedy by mistake um or that people laughed at my serious acting and, <laughs> uh, and uh, but i didn't really have a plan i mean i i one of my regrets is that i never got into sketch comedy early yeah and, and that i never did it and um because i think i i would have really liked it and you would have been really th-
0: good i mean you are good at it you know i mean you know i mean cuz it's arrested is like yes it's a sitcom but it's also sketches yeah, it, it's it's yeah. Yeah, of course it's sketches yeah. yeah
2: and so like all you guys who who are from chicago or went to chicago um you know especially when when uh, amy and i started dating and then sort of meeting all you guys like i was like oh there was this whole world i would have loved to have been part of that yeah. just to just fuck around, you know me. I just want to fuck around all the it's, time.
0: It's it was the best. It was it was just, you know, like that. Those days of of youth of just being around, like you're, you know, you spend your whole life doing whatever and thinking, ah, maybe I can do this, and then all of a sudden, you're just around all these fucking weirdos that are just like you that I- just want to fuck around and have fun. When and I see pictures
2: of like, when I see pictures of you guys and you and like Stack and like all and McKay and all those guys, all you guys back in Chicago back in the day and Besser and Ian and yeah. Walsh and whatever. And I always like, I'm like, oh, that was like the boat I missed, like yeah. the party I missed. And I, and I loved, I, I never tire of you telling me like stories of IO and like, the water leaking and sharna freaking out or whatever the fuck it yeah, is yeah, <laughs> like yeah, so yeah, yeah. weird i'm always like that's that's the thing i wish i had done that's my yeah. honestly it's my only re- kind of regret yeah
0: do you think and, and when you when you and Amy started dating, was that, and well, you obviously said that was kind of when it opened up your mind to that. Did it also yep. open up you up to the notion of being a comedian more
2: or? Was- I think I, I was already starting to do, well, I was already starting to do sitcom pilots and and stuff. So I was kind of in that moving in that direction as well as simultaneously. Um, we, you know, Amy and I started dating about, seven, eight months before, uh, she started on SNL. Mm-hmm. Um, i had kind of moved briefly to LA to get out of New York and, um, and then she came into LA and we started dating when I was living in LA. And then she was basically kind of living in LA. And, and then all of a sudden she was like, I think I'm going to do SNL. And I said, okay, let's go. And I we got rid of the apartment in LA, moved back to New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was in that time that I started doing more. But at the same time, it opened my eyes to it, certainly. But uh, then I started doing a play in New York. At one point, I was doing this play in New York, before, right before I got Arrested Development, and um, and then Arrested came out of the blue. But that it all kind of happened at the same time. The first couple of years that Amy was on SNL, I was there was a moment where I thought I was I'm. I'm just going to keep doing my voiceover stuff and maybe I'll just never make it as an actor and that's okay. Yeah. Oh, uh, And I was kind of at weird peace with it. Um, yeah. Doing this play and I just thought, oh fuck, I hated it. And I, the, was it the a drama? Play, it was a drama and yeah. they hated, she hated me, the the writer of this play. And it was just like an awful, awful situation.
0: I've, whenever I've done anything that's been sore, well, I've done very little, just like straight up drama. And it's always like, I'm always amazed. Like no one wants to have any fun. Like, you know, like (laughs) it's the, the difference of a set of the set of like that. Whenever I've done something like that, I'm like, wow. What, what, when do we start like goofing around? You know, like when do we start like during the, during the run throughs where we're not filming anything, like where we start fucking around with the lines and teasing each other and doing funny accents. Like, Never? Really? <laughs> this is never I You know. people do this all day. You just act all serious about this and you believe, you know, and it's always been like TV shit. So it's always like the dumbest, you know, like
2: Well, you know what's weird about that? First of all, I mean, right, we and you and I have been on enough of those sets and sets like that together with with enough funny people where it's like Everybody wants to fuck around, you know? Yeah. As you know, in, on Arrested with Mitch, like Mitch wants to fuck around too. Absolutely. He, it's like, yeah, I guess we got to do this scene and then let's meet back at Video Village so we can do bits on each right,
0: other. Right, <laughs> right, I know. And like, almost sometimes the work gets in the way of, of like what you really are doing there, which totally, is fucking around, you know?
1: Totally. Totally, Totally, yeah.
2: totally. And then so there's this thing I'm thinking about doing this, actually, um, serious movie, in the next couple months, and it's weird that we're talking about this because I guess I guess last night, before, as I was kind of drifting off to sleep, I was thinking about what is my approach going to be on set because I think I am going to do this thing, and I thought I, it, this is quite serious and like because on set, as you know, I and just in life, but we're the same. We both fuck around a lot, yeah. And, and I'm this thing is quite serious. I'm going to have to concentrate quite hard. and what is my who's my set persona yeah
0: yeah (laughs) you know and you got to feel it out too because you want to be respectful of other people's processes yeah Yeah. you know and so you know so there are going to be some people that probably don't well i mean there's a lot of actors that are they don't have great senses of humor like they you know i mean oh. there's a lot of actors with no sense of humor especially about themselves oh. so boy you're yeah that would be that would be interesting to see going into that situation how much you can really fuck around
2: yeah yeah it's gonna be a tough one it's gonna All be right.
0: well tell scorsese i said
2: hi oh i will yeah and by the by the way it's just m-dog <laughs> that's what he liked. By the way, that's what he likes. I was drinking
0: coffee. I almost did a spit take there. Yeah, cradle him like a baby. He's a little fella. Well, now, do you have, uh, I mean, are there unfulfilled ambitions? Are there things that, like, you wish you were doing that, you you know, like, uh, one of these days? I mean, you're doing this dramatic movie. That sounds like yeah. that's kind of something that's been
2: yeah i've been doing that I'm, I'm, i mean i'm gonna do that i'm gonna do you know, i mean that's and, been a desire i guess is what you know yeah but it's not one of those like i can't wait to show the world there's yeah. none there, i have zero if if i that's had a young any, person's thing anyway yeah yeah it's gone and my sort of i really just think about like how can i be just happy today i just want to spend time with the kids as much as i can and
0: yeah
2: uh and screw around and and um, you know, I'm doing the podcast now with Jason and Sean, which has been fun. And um, I bet that's I do. I do envy you guys getting to
0: be there with it. each other. That's nice. Yeah. You know.
2: Yeah, it's it exactly. It's just fun, and if it wasn't fun, we wouldn't do it. Yeah. And so we're doing that, and then um, whose idea was that? Mine.
0: Yours. Yeah. Well,
2: well, I had an idea. I was going to do a podcast. I was thinking about it after I did Conesies. Uh, yeah. and uh, I'd been thinking about it a little bit before and then I did conesies and then I was like and then uh and then Sean I told Bateman and then Bateman told Sean and then Sean called me and said I know you want to do a podcast let's all do one together. And I was like, "Well, wait a second. I was <laughs> going to do one My, and they're like, "I know, but we're going to do it together." And I was like, <laughs> okay. I'm such a pushover. You I got just went out, right. into it. <laughs> I know I really did. Yeah. By
0: the big, then, biggest bullies in show business, Sean Hayes <laughs>
2: <laughs> and, <Jason Damon. laughs> and we and it just we got we got together the week before kind of everything stopped in the world and talked about it and then the world stopped and we we're like you know what kind of like, well, yeah i guess we should do it now because we're all just at right. home
1: yeah
2: and that's and that's how we started and um so i've been doing that and then i've just been you know i've been writing a lot more we've mark chapel my Chappie, my partner and i we've written a couple movies we sold a couple and uh so we've been doing that and that's been fulfilling in different ways yeah um, it's been great i don't know i kind of feel like i'm doing what i want to do and you know i did last year i did this lego show which the kids which was really popular with kids and and i'm really happy it was family. fun it's a fun it, show fun show a lot of yeah. families watched it together during quarantine which was nice to hear um i had a lot of fun doing it mm-hmm. um so i think we'll do more of those and and um yeah, you know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I wish I had a better plan. I sh- I should have had a plan all these years.
0: I don't. I honestly don't think. I don't think that that's the way to go. I think that I and I've said this before. I think it's to focus just on kind of a process. You know, like to, your process that you take to different situations, and then remain open to things. I mean, there are some people that it works where they cannot. Like there are people that I've known in my life where they're like. I gotta be. I gotta write this screenplay, and then I gotta direct this thing, and I gotta, gotta, gotta. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And I just, and I would look at them, and I would think like, oh, I wish I had a little of that. But then yeah. I just realized, no, there. I'm just a different type. I'm kind of like a I, a, I like to collaborate. A. I like to. I don't like to be alone that much. I have a drive to want to be acknowledged f- as you know my own. Uh, entity separate from that motherfucker Conan um but
2: <laughs> that was the most real you've been this whole time <laughs> no 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 i mean I, but I there are times
0: like i you know but but i've been like the star of a sitcom and it doesn't it wasn't that great like it wasn't no. for me i like i like being part of the group you know and that's yeah. more fun cuz i I care more about the doing of the thing than the having the thing or the thing being out there.
2: Uh, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I care way more about the doing too. Is, is it a good experience? Is it fun? And, uh, yeah, I'm the same way. I like to spend time with people I love yeah. and who make me laugh. And, um, I was talking to my buddy this morning and he was saying, uh, he was saying what a great gift to be able to look at the world that every day you're trying to, I was saying something about, we were talking about like, looking for the what the bit is or what the funny he goes you're so lucky that you spend so much of your time every day looking for the laugh. Yeah. And it's a great it's a great perspective of life and you do too and it keeps you keeps you going. I I mean, what's the alternative? The alternative's a fucking bummer, man. Yeah, yeah. I'd always yeah. rather laugh. And people say to me yeah. all the time and my this other buddy always goes like jokingly he'll say, you know, grow up. And I go, why? Yeah, yeah. Why would I? what are you talking? What does that even mean? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I do bits that most 50-year-old dudes don't do that would be embarrassing for, like, what a 50-year-old should do. Yeah, yeah. I act like a fucking punk teenager a lot of the time. Yeah. And I'm okay with it. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Although your skateboarding skills have really... (laughs) <laughs> really terrible. Fucking, well, yeah, I yeah. basically cannot skateboard. Yeah. You've broken your hip like six times. It's not great. It's not a great look, but I dress real young. <laughs> oh, too young if you ask me. People look at me and they go, that guy's young. Oh, oh, no, wait. <laughs> oh, wait, wait a second. Wait, we got oh, closer. Wait. We got within <laughs> 20 feet. Oh, Jesus, he's old. It must
0: be an undercover cop or something. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, we kind of got to like sort of, you know, to have fun is sort of the the what have you learned part of this uh, this podcast. Yeah, and it's and it's you don't gimmick. have to follow. You don't need to follow the 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 rules, right? No, Do not you? really. Although when I started out, the people that were like the executives who were <laughs> like 15 years younger than me were, you know, like had notes for the show, which I I mean, basically, it's like. Look, I'm gonna to talk to fucking people about their lives. That's it. Like that's kind of it. Yeah, but there yeah. was a couple like a couple notes early on after I did the first one so we're like, you haven't really explicitly answered the three questions or you know, I like, got into the three questions and maybe you should split it up into like twenty minute chunks. And I just was like, Yeah, yeah, that's a good note. Fuck that. And then just I didn't ever do
2: it. But what I mean what what kind of a soul crushing existence was it some the the notes process sometimes is uh, crazy. It's crazy to me. Yeah. People got it's their job
0: to tell somebody something. Like that's and that's what and I can't imagine what it's like to be into something where you know, you hire somebody like you and then and then like have to tell you how to be you and do you.
2: You know? Yeah. It's yeah, it's mind blowing to me. Mind blowing yeah
0: well but anyway what have you learned come on i, I gotta answer these people oh
2: okay, well sorry the thing i've learned i've just learned uh i think to not take myself too seriously yeah um to not take all of it too seriously and of course you do there are things you know that you have to you want to do a good job you want things to be good if you're working on something you want it to be good but um and you want to be professional whatever the fuck that means uh but you got to have a sense of humor about yourself no matter what it is and i don't know i I've, i I've, i guess i've kind of coming back to what we were talking about before i guess because my my dad my parents but specifically my dad it made me kind of go through my paces enough as a kid and as a teenager and a young man that uh i don't I got a kind of a good sense of who I am as a person um, and I'm not defined by what I do. And and I don't think I'm a lot different than I was when I first started doing this stuff. I'm not that much different of a person as I was when I was 20.
0: Yeah. I don't think, I mean, I I didn't know you when you were 20, but I would say that if anything, you're just like kind of calmer. Yeah. You know, I mean, you just, yeah, you're like more patient and kind of just more, centered and um not as much
2: not as much of an asshole you know yes that's it no you can name it for sure for (laughs) sure i was kidding but i know you were yeah uh yeah i think that that's it i I think i've learned to just uh, you know take it all in stride and that that nothing is forever either that's the other thing we, we we attach so much importance to things as they happen and in the moment and i think that i used to be like oh shit this is the way it's going to be by the way good or bad yeah it's always going to be like this or it's always going to be shitty like this and that life just kind of as it keeps moving things change and it's yeah nothing nothing's forever yeah um so s- stay stay flexible yeah you know stay gold pony
0: boy Yeah, yeah 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 that too I mean, whatever i don't know I'm just oh, trying man. to seem young <laughs> by quoting 80 year- old books Well, I love you, and love this is really exciting to get to talk to you, and I hope uh, you know, maybe we should do a socially distanced hang sometime.
2: hundred percent.:
0: Yeah, yeah. I gotta see that baby. I I mean'll I'll, I'll just I'll touch it with a six- foot long stick, like a uh, you know, like a broom handle.
2: We'll, we'll, I'm going to send over some plaster of Paris and we'll get a mold of your hand <laughs> and then we'll, so we can put it on the end of the stick. Sure, so sure, it can, sure. You know what I mean? Right.
0: I actually, I actually, I, there are molds of my hand, but they're fist shaped. They're available on the internet. They're in silicone. Uh-oh. uh So I can just get you one of those.
2: Uh-oh. Oh. Roxanne, you don't have to paint your nails tonight. <laughs> Whatever <laughs> the lyrics are.
0: Whatever. All right. Well, Will Arnett, um, thank you for, for doing this. Uh and your podcast is called Smartless.
2: Uh, As in less smart, yes. Yeah, right, less smart.
0: Because um, I would have gone with like the three dipshits. Uh, <laughs> it was taken. <laughs> yeah, that's well, Barbara that's Barbara Boxer's
2: podcast. Uh, uh Thanks for having me, man. Sure. I love you, Andy. I miss you, too.
0: I miss you very much. And uh, and thank you all for listening uh, to this episode of The Three Questions. And there will be another one next week. There's nothing anyone can do about
1: it. I've
2: got a baby.